Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. As a sign of agreement, and we'll say this all together. Ready? Read. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to start with a statement. Here's the statement. You ready? You listening? Say, I'm, I'm with you. Okay? My experience with God is determined by my depth in God. Your experience and my experience with God is determined, connected to, hinges on, supported by my depth in God. So important that we kind of allow that to sink in deeply. No pun intended. Just allow that to sink in because it's true. We know in any kind of relationship, earthly human relationship, to the degree of our depth in that relationship, so will be our experience. True? And it's like that with God. It's not any different. As a matter of fact, when we look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and one of the reasons for the writing of the letter is because Paul, as an apostle, as the one who founded the church in Corinth, was concerned about some of the things that were happening at the church in Corinth. And one of the things that was happening is that there was a lot of new converts that were being heavily influenced by Greek philosophy. By that time, Greek philosophy had made a huge impact in that region of the world. And there were a lot of converts, people who followed Christ, that were beginning to mix human reasoning, human logic, human wisdom, apart from God, with their faith in the things of Christ. And Paul, as the founding apostolic leader of that church in Corinth, was very, very concerned about that. And he wanted for them to understand that there is a part in our going deeper with God that transcends human reasoning, that transcends uh, earthly wisdom, that transcends your IQ. And so he wrote this in part to help people to understand that if you're going to go deeper in your relationship with Christ, you're going to have to go beyond this philosophical perspective. You know, I don't even think I knew what the definition of philosophy was until I looked it up. And I, I don't think I could tell you like right off the top of my head, but it's the study of existence, the study of logic and knowledge and um, the reason things are. And um, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, these were huge 
philosophical influences uh, for a long period of time. And, and, and Greek uh, philosophy was a big, big deal to the people that Paul was writing to. Uh, I looked up one of the... Um, one of the quotes from Socrates and some of the, the philosophical quotes that you'll come across, I mean, they're so deep that, um, like, for me, some of them, they're so deep, like, they don't even make sense. And I think in part because I'm connected to the truth. And so when I read some of these philosophical statements, I'm like, what? For example, one of the quotes from Socrates was this. The only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. And you're like, wow, that's deep, right? It is deep. It's so deep I want to put my boots on. I'm trudging through this because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So wisdom and knowledge and spiritual insight and understanding always starts with God. And it's rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's discovered through the truth of his word. Amen? And so Paul's kind of concerned that we've got some of these new converts. They're going after this philosophical wisdom and they're they're trying to mix knowledge with faith and and so he pens something in first corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 and 11 if you have a bible look at it with me because it's important important part of our text as we get started and uh, i want us to lay eyes on it first corinthians chapter 2 uh verse 9 through i think 11 paul says this I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Verse 11 for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now, if you have a pen or a highlighter and you have a Bible, if you can, circle or highlight the word deep because we're going to come back to it in just a moment. Paul is trying to get the church to understand, by the way, that's including you and I, that on your best day, no matter how high your IQ is, no matter how intellectual you are, no matter how smart you are, disconnected from the Spirit of God, you can never perceive, you can never spiritually discern, understand, discover, and therefore you can't experience the things of God in your life as a follower of God. You can't. He's saying you need the Spirit of God. 
He's the one who's going to show you the things of God. And if you study the context, the things of God are things, spiritual blessings, things that belong to you. They're part of your inheritance, part of my inheritance as followers of Jesus Christ that God has made available to everyone who calls on the name of Jesus. However, in order to realize, perceive, spiritually understand those things so that we can experience them in our life, we have to go through the person of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who's been assigned to your life, assigned to my life, and he searches out the deeper things of God, and then he reveals them to us so that we can be enlightened by them, illuminated by them, we can lay hold of them by faith, and then we can begin to experience a deeper level in our relationship with God. Does that make sense? And so Paul is, is just, he's excited and he wants people to understand that, that you can't just intellectually in your own human wisdom and reasoning discover these deeper things of God. You have to be aided by the Holy Spirit. Now, the word deep, um, the King James Version Bible Dictionary defines the word deep like this. Extending or being far below the surface. Descending far downward. Profound. I like this. Opposed to shallow. As deep water, a deep pit, or a deep well. Second definition, not superficial or obvious. Hidden. Secret. Not that God doesn't want us to discover the deeper things. No, he's already made them available to the one who searches out the deeper things. It's the Holy Spirit. But he's saying you have to go through him and ask for his help so that you can begin to see things spiritually that you can't see in and through your own human reasoning, logic, and discovery. Amen. Does that make sense? So I'm going to start a, a, a short three-week series, and I'm simply calling it Stepping In Deeper. And the subtitle is, I'm not going to stay where I'm at. I'm not going to stay where I'm at. And the title for today's message is this, what depth am I in? What level of depth am I in right now, today, as a Christian? Because I have a sense from the Lord, and I know that many of you do, that the Lord is asking his people to step in deeper in relationship with him. Amen? He wants us to step out of the shallow waters, and he wants us to step into deeper waters concerning the things of God, concerning our relationship with God, concerning our, our blessings and the things that he wants to do. That's a major reason, a major, uh, I should say, um, it should be a major compelling reason that we allow the Holy Spirit to pull us forward with. There are things that God has for you that he wants to reveal to you, that he wants you to discover but you and I will never discover those things if we don't make a personal, decisive decision to step in deeper. Come on, somebody say, I'm stepping in deeper. 
You're going to do it. I'm stepping in deeper. No matter where you're at today, I just know every single one of us can take a step. Every single, whether you're a newer Christian or you've been walking with him for 35, 45 years, every single one of us can take a step. Amen. I just know it. I know it. I know it. God wants us to take a step. I don't want to be in a hurry. Uh, This is a message I gave a couple of weeks ago at TGK, and I did it in 35 minutes. I'm not going to try to rush through this because I think I have enough content for today that will take us through two Sundays. If I just kind of shove it down our throat, my concern is that we might miss something that the Lord wants us to pinpoint and study through a little deeper. So I want to take my time so that we don't miss a beat on what I sense the Lord is leading us into and what he wants us to discover. Come on, anybody ready to go deeper, right? Anybody ready to go deeper? He wants us to go deeper. Paul is saying the deeper things that God wants you to discover can only be discovered if you step in deeper. And the Holy Spirit is the one who searches the deeper things who will reveal them to you. Can I just lovingly remind us we have not arrived. We don't know everything there is to know about the things that God has for us. Come on, somebody. Is it just me or is that true? That's true. We just don't know. So how do I know? How do I know what level I'm at? And Pastor Robert, if I did decide that I wanted to go deeper, how could I measure that out? What would that look like in my life? And I want to show you something that the Lord showed me in Ezekiel chapter 47. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Ezekiel. That's in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 47. Um, Some of you uh, may know this, some of you may not, but let me just kind of solidify some things about Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet. In other words, he spoke for God to the people. He was a priest. He stood between God and the people. He prayed for the people. He cried out to God for the people. Uh, Ezekiel was full of the Holy Spirit. His name means the person that God will strengthen. And if you read the book of Ezekiel, it's obvious God strengthened him. God empowered him in the middle of exile, in the middle of of, uh, so many things that were contrary to some of the promises that God had made to Israel. He, along with God's people, were taken into exile, into Babylonian captivity for, for their kind of, they, they messed some things up in their relationship with God. Uh, God turned them over to their enemies. They were in exile. Uh, during about nine years into their exile, Ezekiel was married and his wife died. And so he had to continue as a priest, praying and standing between God and the people, even though he lost his wife in exile. And he had a very difficult prophetic ministry. And when you read chapter 47, you're going to find out that God gave Ezekiel a vision. He gave him a vision of a restored temple 
and a restored worship, very intricate vision. And in the vision, Ezekiel actually sees himself walking with an angel through this temple. And the angel showing him all the different parts of the temple. And then in this vision, in chapter 47, the angel walks Ezekiel outside and around the temple. And he shows him a supernatural river that's flowing out from under the temple and out from under the threshold. It's a supernatural river that came from God. And uh, many theologians believe that this is going to be describing a, a one-day messianic reign and rule of Jesus. And it's going to be a real restored temple and a real river. And many theologians also believe that what we're going to see in this river is an analogy, an illustration, a snapshot of what it would look like for you and I to step in deeper in our relationship with God. And we're going to see when I read this story that there's four levels of depth that the angel walked Ezekiel through in the river. And then I want us to come back today and next Sunday, and I want us to take a little bit of time and look at each of those levels of depths in the river that the angels walking Ezekiel through and look at it through a spiritual perspective and, and ask the Lord, what does that mean for us? Where am I at in these four levels? And how can I take a step so that I can go deeper? Okay, so Ezekiel chapter 47 I'm going to read it. I'm reading it out of the New Living Translation. It's real easy to understand. Ezekiel says, In my vision, the man, the angel, he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway, and he led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Verse 3, measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet, and then he led me across. The water was up to my ankles. If you have a Bible or a highlighter, circle or highlight or underline the word ankles. Verse 4. He measured off another 1,750 feet, and he led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. Underline or circle or highlight the word knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Circle or underline waist. Verse 5, listen. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Listen to that last part. The river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. Now, as I read this over and over and over, and I'm just kind of chewing on it, and I'm looking at it, and the Lord's speaking to me. The first thing that was obvious that he was showing me was this. Stepping in deeper with God means that there is increasing progress and spiritual maturity in my life. Or spiritual maturity in my relationship with Jesus Christ. We can't say we're going deeper 
without growing in spiritual maturity. Can you say amen? This is a big truth. It's so important. When I say deep, I don't mean so deep that there isn't a way for this to practically work out in my life. A matter of fact, when you read the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul goes through great lengths in chapter 4 and 5 and 6 to help the church understand that because of your position in Christ, because of where you are now, because you've been made alive, because you've been raised up, because you've been made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, because you've been born again, because of what God has done through you, through the death and burial resurrection. And then he goes on, he says, so walk like you believe. Be imitators of God, Ephesians chapter 5. And then he just lays it out. And he talks about how husbands are supposed to practically love their wives, not just in word, but in deed, like Christ loved the church, right? So he's not talking, talk is cheap. He's saying, I want you to walk the walk. And then he talks to the kids and he says, obey your parents. And then he talks to employees. He says, be a good employee. Work hard for your boss. I don't like my job. Doesn't matter, as a Christian, work hard for your boss and trust the Lord and you'll get a promotion. If you can't be there and, and, and be, be a, a representation of Christ, ask the Lord to get you a different job. But there is no depth, this is what I'm trying to say, without spiritual maturity and without practically walking these things out in our everyday life. Amen? So we don't want to be so deep that, that we just don't make any earthly sense. That's not what we're after. It, it needs to flow from God to us and through us, and then it needs to find its way into spiritual maturity, right? Don't look at your neighbor, but how many of you ever met a Christian who is lacking spiritual maturity? Don't look at your spouse. Don't look at your spouse, okay? Now, did you notice the four levels of depth in Ezekiel? Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, too deep. Come on, let's, let's do it together. Ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, too deep. You got it? Four levels of depth. Now, I want to share with you something that the Lord showed with me that will help you to see where you are in regards to the level of depth that you have in your personal relationship with the Lord. Now, this isn't going to be exhaustive, and I'm sure there's other things that we can connect to these examples that I want to share with us, but I think they're indicators of the level of depth that we're in, okay? So the first one he walks him through is ankle deep. Say ankle deep. Now, the first thing I want to say is this. Sometimes ankle deep is totally fine and truth is, that's where all of us start out in our relationship with the Lord. I grew up in Whittier, California, and there was this park probably 15 minutes away from our house. It was called Palm Park. And Palm Park was a place that we used to love to go to. They had all the, you know, the swing set and the fire engine thing. And, and what do you call that thing that rolls... There we go round, yeah, you know, it's been a while. <laughs> but Palm Park was cool. But in the summer, we especially loved Palm Park because they had one of those kiddie pools over there. And it was way back in the day, and, and the kiddie pool went up to your ankles, 
and everybody got in the kiddie pool, the kids, and, and then in the middle of the kiddie pool, they had this huge fountain. Can you see it? It was just shooting out water, supplying water to the kiddie pool. And the kiddie pool was just that. It was for kids. It was for, for you know, little ones. And, and the water only went up to your ankles. And it was fun. It was enjoyable. You could splash around. You could stick your head under as a little kid. And you could play. And you could just be refreshed in the hot summer sun. I love Palm Park. And then as I got older, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, as much as I felt like I wanted to go back to the kiddie pool, my parents instructed me on the other side of the park, there is a large Olympic-sized swimming pool. And over there, you paid 50 cents, and you got your little tag, and you went in, and you had a locker, and it was a city pool. And you can go to the pool, and it had the, 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 the shallow side that was three feet, and then four feet, and then five feet. And think of the deep end was like 12 feet. It was a deep pool because they had a high dive, and then they had a low dive. And I loved it as I was getting older, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Do you remember Palm Park? I used to go to Palm It was so fun, and I would be jumping off the diving board, and then I would jump off the high dive and dive off the diving board, and it was exciting. But listen, when I was 17 years old, it would have been strange for me to be over there just on my stomach flapping around in the kiddie pool, Right? As much as I felt like I wanted to at times, that was for the kids. And so in that instance, ankle deep was good. And so sometimes in our relationship with God, ankle deep is good. Everyone who gets saved starts out in ankle deep water. As a matter of fact, that's what the Lord showed me. If you're taking notes, ankle deep equals salvation. You know it. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now, the thing about salvation, though, is we have to understand that even though we might be standing in ankle-deep water in regards to our maturity, that ankle-deep water is connected to knee-deep, to waist deep, to too deep. It's connected to the deeper things of God. It's not disconnected from the deeper things of God. And in God's heart and in God's mind, he means for everyone who gets saved and gets put in ankle deep salvation waters, in his heart, he means for every single one of us to go on to ankle deep, to go on to waist deep, and to go on to too deep. He means for every single one of us to grow up into spiritual maturity. Spiritual mature sons and daughters of God. By the way, that's the goal. Amen. This, this side of heaven, while we're on earth, the goal is for you and I to grow up as maturing sons and daughters of God. Can somebody say amen? Look with me real quick at Ephesians chapter 4. It's not going to be on the screen. Uh, it's not in my notes, but I think it's a great scripture for us to look at. Ephesians chapter 4. Remember, Paul's writing the book of Ephesians. Paul has had an incredible ongoing 
a fuller revelation from the Holy Spirit about the purpose of the church, the mystery of the church, and what it's supposed to be doing in the earth, and why God has the church in the earth. And in Ephesians chapter 4, we have verses uh, 11 through 13 that give us a little bit of a glimpse of the fact that God wants us to move beyond ankle-deep water. Salvation. Look at it with me. Ephesians 4.11. If you have a Bible, look at it with me. And he, it's referring to Jesus Christ. I'll wait for, make sure we're all in Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Everybody there say amen. Are we there? Ephesians chapter 4. And Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Let me pause. This is known as the five-fold ministry gifts. He's given some, not everyone. These are not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. These are specific people that Jesus has given to the church to hold these offices. An apostle in the day was a sent forth one, like the apostles we see in the book of Acts, right? Um, so they're different today. A lot of people today in other parts of the, the church would say there are no apostles today. There are none. Well, in the sense like that, there are none. But the word apostle in the Greek means sent forth one. So God still sends forth pastors and leaders who have high influence that start churches and ministries and movements of God that are responsible for hundreds of other pastors, smaller churches and house churches. There are modern day apostles in that sense of the word. Okay, so I just want to clarify a couple of things. God, Jesus, gave these ministry gifts, but what I want us to look at, why did he give them? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. Now, let me clarify. Some people have a Catholic background. This is not referring to the saints like Peter and all of those other saints that they would hold in high esteem. The saints in this context in the scripture is talking about you. Every born again believer, every follower is considered a saint. You're set apart for God now. You're in the family of God. You've passed from death to life. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. You're in the family. You've been forgiven. He doesn't look at you with sin. He looks at you through the righteousness that Christ provided for you. You're considered a saint. He's, and you'll see a lot of the letters that Paul writes, he addresses the saints in this church and the saints. In, he's talking to Christians. Okay? For the equipping of the saints. The word equipping means to help you find and discover your gift. And while you're doing that, to be brought to a place of wholeness and restoration by God working in your life. It, it's, it's a word that describes mending nets or, or setting broken bones. It's a lovely word. God wants for every follower to be equipped, to be made whole, restored, and to find their place and their purpose in the family of God. So these apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, listen, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. We're all doing that together. We all have our part. Look at verse 13. Until we all come to the unity of the faith, of the faith. The faith is the faith in Jesus. The faith of the founding apostles. The faith of Jesus Christ. 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The word knowledge is a full, complete knowledge. It's a full, complete understanding. And then look at this. To a perfect man or woman. He's talking about a human. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, the word perfect in the NLT, I'm pretty sure it says mature. Mature. Does it say mature, Yolanda? It says mature. Okay? Remember, we're talking about going deeper. So God wants us to become mature. Who's our example of maturity, spiritually speaking? Who's our ultimate example? Come on, it's not a trick question. Jesus, right? We're supposed to look at Jesus, and then I'm supposed to look at me, and I'm supposed to see the gap, and then I'm supposed to ask the Holy Spirit and God, and through the Word and through His help, I'm supposed to take a step. Gap getting smaller. Take another step. Pastor Robert, are you serious? You want us to become like Jesus? No, I'm not saying that. God is saying that. God wants you and I to become more like Jesus. The word perfect in the Greek, it's the word teleos. T-E-L-E-I-O-S, teleos. And it's all over the Bible. We're going to look at it more next week. But it's a word that describes something that's of full age. It's a word that describes something that's reached a completed end. Like when you're baking a turkey on Thanksgiving. Come on, Thanksgiving is coming up. Can I use that as an analogy, right? How many of you ever bake a turkey for Thanksgiving? Do you use one of those little white things that you stick in the turkey? I do, because I don't want to burn it, right? It's one of those little white things you stick in the turkey. Some of them come with that in there already, right? And after you've had the turkey in there for X amount of time, and it's looking brown, and you've basted it and everything, that white thing goes, bloop. Remember? It pops up and it tells you that thing is ready, baby. It's reached its full end. It's, it's mature. It's, it's done. It's ready to go, right? So Jesus is the model, and he's saying that we're supposed to be growing and going deeper and growing and going deeper and becoming more and more mature after the model of Jesus. We're supposed to reach Maturity. Now, I don't think we'll ever reach our full end until we get to heaven. Amen? But the point is that God says that we're supposed to be going after that perfectness. Not in the sense where we never miss it. In the sense that we're becoming mature sons and daughters of God. Does that make sense? Amen? Now, I want you to hear God's heart. He's saying, listen, everybody starts out in ankle deep water salvation. That true He does not want us to stay there. Here's a roadblock to stepping in deeper. I'm going to share this and we're going to end today. There are some roadblocks to stepping in deeper and God showed me some. Here's the first roadblock. Confusing verbal commitment to Christ with an actual commitment to growth in Christ. That's a roadblock, friend. Just because I said yes to Christ, just because I'm in the family, that doesn't mean I understand spiritually. 
that God wants me to grow unto maturity, and I have made a personal decision to step in deeper so that that process can happen. That's an intentional decision that you and I have to make. Amen? Can you go to school and just audit the class and not really pass? You can. You can go to college and just audit the class, but not really engage in it and not get a degree and not be accomplished. Just kind of listen and you can do that. Listen, listen. Not in this church. Amen. Not in our family. But it does happen in churches all across the nation. People come in and they just wait for the pastor to feed them. And then they go home and then they don't have any idea or any desire. Not at this church though. Amen, Lakeshore? Any desire to step in deeper. Can I just be loving when I say this as a pastor? As your pastor, if you'll let me. Okay? That's not God's will. That's not God's will. It's not God's will for us to step into the family ankle deep and stay there. To make a verbal commitment to Christ, but no commitment to growth in Christ. Amen. I believe that this is a season for you and I to take a step. Wherever you're at, to take a step deeper. To grow. Amen. Have you been blessed by the word this morning? Next week, we're going to come back and we're going to look at knee deep. We're going to look at waist deep and we're going to look at two deep. Okay. And we're going to find out what do those mean and how do I step in deeper? Come on, let's stand to your feet and let's pray. Father, we love you and we're so thankful that you're a gracious, you're a loving, you're a patient, you're a merciful God. We thank you that your word says that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been forgiven, we've been set free, we've been delivered from condemnation. Father, help us to recognize with the help of the Holy Spirit that you want us to step in deeper, that you want us to grow unto Christian maturity. Help us to take a step. No matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter how long we've been reading our Bible, no matter how long we've been going to church services, help us to see where we're at and to follow you into deeper waters. Help us to become maturing sons and daughters. That's what the world around us needs to see. So we give ourselves over you today, fresh and anew, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're our helper. You're our friend. You've been given to partner with us. Your ministry, in part, is to show us the deeper things of God, the things that God has set apart for us as our inheritance and sons and daughters of God. We make a decision to step in deeper. We make a decision to hunger and thirst for the things of God. We make a decision to detach ourselves from all of the distractions and all of the things that are pulling us from this from this Christian life that you've called us to. We make a decision to turn away from worldly influences that are keeping us in the shallows. We want to step in deeper, God. Do something this week in us to help us to make a decision to step in deeper. Some of you might be saying, Pastor Robert, okay, so what should I do? What should I do? I hear you. I believe it. 
But what should I do? Here's what you need to do. Go home this week, get with God, get with your Bible, and ask him to show you what level of depth you're at. Where are you? Are you ankle deep? Are you a little further along, knee deep, waist deep? Are you flowing in the things of God to maximum? Where are you? He'll show you. He'll show you. I promise. You'll know right here. You'll know. Not in a convicting, condemning way. In a convicting, assuring way. Saying, I love you. I want you to step in more, son. I want you to step in more, daughter. And then, here's the second thing. When he shows you, this is what you got to do. Be willing to make the adjustments. Because he'll ask you to adjust. Listen, Christ paid it all. But spiritual maturity and depth doesn't come cheap. Amen. And then here's the last thing. Do it. Just do it. Do it. Ask him to show you. Be willing to adjust. And then do it. I promise, I promise, I promise. That making the adjustment and going deeper will be worth it. To you personally, to your family, to your career, to your future, to your ministry, to your influence. The things that God has for you happen as you go deeper and deeper. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.